Good afternoon, Lafayette. This is Joe Cunningham here on the Joe Cunningham Show. I'm back after spending three hours with you this morning on the Moon Griffon Show. I am live, nothing pre-recorded, nothing rerun from those three hours. Entirely new content just for you here at the three o'clock hour right here on News Talk 96.5 KPL. And joining me physically across from me, philosophically to my left, is Stephen Hanwerk. Stephen, how are you? What's going on, brother? That's a serious intro you got there brother i'm trying i I, I try i try to keep things exciting because this can this can be uh (laughs) this can be veer into the boring very quickly (laughs) but uh with you at the helm i don't believe it for a minute well this is i i like it when we can be together on the show um because i and i've maintained this a lot of people say we all live in our bubbles, and I maintain it's a lead-lined bunker. We don't want to see outside of it. We just want to stick to our own, and I want a little diversity here. I want to bring sure. in some some different perspectives. Of course, you being a consultant on the Democratic side, you have some insights into this, what is a very, at least on my side, a very exciting governor's race. You, y'all are a little bit more uh, calm right now in terms of the candidate jumping in. Sean Wilson, uh, former director of transportation development uh, here in Louisiana, jumping in this week. So I guess my first question is, do y'all have any surprises waiting for you? Well, look, I I don't think so. I mean, uh, you know, we've done, we, of course, uh, work incredibly hard uh, to make sure that uh, we're talking with each other. Uh, we don't always agree. I mean, we're Democrats after all. Um, uh, we all, you know, they always say Democrats fall in love and Republicans fall in line. Um, and trust me, uh, there is a lot of work uh, that we need to get done. But um, we also know what our path is. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're going to stay uh, singularly focused uh, on getting the job done this year. So, all right. So you have Sean Wilson. You have somebody who... It seems like the machine that got John Bell Edwards elected is going to be basically the machine that's going to be working with Sean Wilson. Wilson has an advantage of being, you know, a statewide black candidate who can really draw the black community out in ways that other than John Bell Edwards, a lot of a lot of Democrats really don't do in statewide races. So I think this is an interesting opportunity just strategically, just in terms of looking at the numbers. But what specifically, because other than being the head of DOTD in the state, there may not be a whole lot of name recognition. There may not be a whole lot of uh, excitement right now. We're, what, seven months away. So what, I guess, if if you were the one leading the charge on this campaign, what is your strategy for getting Sean Wilson into the runoff, much less getting to that governor's mansion? Sure. Look, I I don't think that it's rocket science. You know, you and I oftentimes uh, get uh, really into the weeds because that's where we like to be uh, on the actual mechanics of doing the thing, right? Mm-hmm. And I th- I so enjoy those conversations. But I mean, we're focusing on the ba- on on the basics here. I think that there's many of us on our side that would have loved to have had Sean in the race, probably mm-hmm. like back o- in October. Yeah, um, that would have been great. Uh, but now we've got a candidate. He's declared, and man, has he hit the ground running. Mm-hmm. Um, he has been just about everywhere this week, uh, in the, and, and it's only Wednesday. Yeah. Um, and I'm really impressed uh, with, with what he's been able to do. And look, I think that we can boil it down to the basics by being able to just say, well, look, you know, there's a caricature of a candidate here. Yeah. 
And there is some of that. Certainly, it gives us opportunities for outreach, for conversations to happen, Mm -hmm. which I think are great. And I think it's about time that we have someone of his caliber uh, actually offering himself up for more service for this state uh, after successfully completing seven and a half years uh, uh, at the helm of uh, uh, as the secretary of transportation. So I think that we have some opportunities there. I don't want to get lost though on the fact that this is a man who has worked his butt off right. for his entire career. And he has the actual track record of working across the aisle mm-hmm. of actually building, literally building bridges. This dude literally built bridges, yeah. okay, both figuratively and actually. And so looking at him, his work, the things that he's been able to accomplish, I think gives us a great opportunity for us to be able to prosecute this election in a way that's going to make a lot of Democrats incredibly proud. And I think you guys better watch your six because... <laughs> Don't say you guys, I'm independent. Okay, but- that's right. But I'm just saying, I think the right needs to watch their six on this because we're getting ready to actually see some history repeat itself uh, in the David Vitter race and Mm -hmm. certainly in the Rispone race um, if if the Republicans are not careful. Well, I've I've said it multiple times. I will continue to say Republicans know how to snatch defeat from the jaws of victory, and I think they are very capable of doing it here now. You know, on the Republican side, we've got the news today, Garrett Gray or... uh, Yesterday, Garrett Graves, now nah, I'm out. Mm-hmm. Now the, the, it's immediately turned. Stephen Wagespack, uh, president of Lobby, frankly not sure why. Because so excited about his candidacy. I, I, you know, I, I spent an hour on it this morning on Moon Show. And I think just from the perspectives of what he as a candidate brings to the Republican side of the table, insight into the business community, uh, looking at those kinds of issues, but at the same time, I have to wonder, because lobby has been very much on the big business side of business lobbying, if he can translate that down to Main Street politics, which is what the Republicans very desperately need, which is why on the conservative side, Jeff Landry seems to embody those conservative ideals a whole lot on the on on some of the issues that conservatives very, very much care about. But is there a Republican in the race who can make that Main Street uh, can can have that appeal to Main Street? I think that on the Democratic side, that's I mean, you have that with with Wilson, obviously. But I've also heard, you know, from the the detractors who say there was literally a comment that was sent in the other day. It was, I'm not sure that I could drive across Louisiana's roads to vote for the uh, director of transportation and development, which kind of a jab. But also, I mean. We talk about infrastructure. There's still a lot of infrastructure problems in the state. Would that actually be something that that could be used against Wilson, do you think? Look, I think everyone's going to they're going to try everything they can to throw at him. Uh, And I'm sure that that's not going to be the worst of it yet. Uh, But at the end of the day, um, this is a good question that I go back to Ronald Reagan for. Mm -hmm. Uh, Are you better off today? Are our roads better off today than they were seven and a half years ago when he uh, took the oath of office? Because I would argue, and I think most would contend, uh, that they actually are. And right now, just coming here today, um, I can't tell you how much construction I did pass myself in order to be able to get here. So there are literally shovels in the dirt right now. And guess what? They're going to Louisiana workers. They're going to Louisiana jobbers. They're going to Louisiana companies who are actually running those projects for us. So look, 
I think that there's an argument to be made there, certainly, and we can prosecute that and we can talk till we're blue in the face. But I think that you also have to look at what has Jeff Landry spent his time on when we're going to compare and contrast these two men. I think a lot of folks are coming to the same conclusion. I think this is what Stephen Wagaspak has probably come to the conclusion of. I think that's probably what Sharon Hewitt has come to the conclusion of, that they need to throw their hats into the race because Jeff Landry, what we know, what they know, is that he is too extreme. All right, we're going to take this break. We will be back in a moment. Of course, you can call in 232-1542. Stephen will not shy away from y'all's calls. We've gone back and forth on Acadiana's Morning News for Winging It Wednesday. We will take your calls and have more on this later on in the show here on the Joe Cunningham Show, News Talk 96.5 KPL. Welcome back to the Joe Cunningham Show here on News Talk 96.5 KPL 232-1542. If you want to be part of the conversation, Stephen Handwork, Democratic strategist, in with me today. All right. So getting back to this whole governor's race stuff, because it is, uh, again, for nerds like you and me, this is this is the fun stuff right. right here. This is the stuff that we can just eat up all day. But on the Republican side, on the side that I'm aligned with ideologically, if not, you know, by party registration, because they do, you know, tick me off from time to time, uh, especially more on the national stage than the state stage. But I digress. Uh, that's a that's a couple drinks in another day. Um on the Republican side, so we've got four candidates, possibly a fifth, jumping in as early as tomorrow, depending on what Wax Pack actually does. You've got Jeff Landry, who, according to the data that we've seen, is commanding some sort of a lead amongst Republicans. Uh, you had Lipsy's post uh, uh, poll the other day that showed among all voters, he has about a quarter of the vote uh, solidified. Wilson didn't have much in that poll. Landry released a poll that was just Republicans where he has near-majority support there. It looks like Landry is set up to be the guy, both in terms of money and support right now. Um, As the old saying goes, events change things, obviously. I had somebody who called in a Moon's show this morning because I was mentioning that if the non-Landry folks, if the money behind the non-Landry effort want to do something, they need to consolidate their money a little bit behind a couple candidates, not... Bring in somebody else. It's a great idea. I know. See, you're not, you're happy with it. So I think it's a bad idea. Right. Strategically speaking. And somebody called and said, well, you're just against Jeff Landry. I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm I'm explaining the strategy side of it. You can dilute the uh, anti-Jeff vote by bringing in another candidate and a big money uh, interest candidate like the lobby president. Or you can concentrate your resources on the candidates that are in there, particularly someone like Sharon Hewitt, even John Schroeder to an extent, who is not the crazy culture guy that Jeff Landry is perceived to be. I'm not See. calling Jeff. I'm trying to be fair. All right. Not trying to. I'm not calling you. Well, I have to be fair. You don't have to be fair. I like those rules. Uh, it, everybody knows coming in what my political yeah. ideology is. And, and to some, I'm an enigma because I was an anti-Trump Republican and conservative. Right. And I, 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 I like to call the balls and strikes. Yeah. I don't carry water for anybody. Yeah. You're allowed to carry water for people. That's your job. Right. I mean, that's literally you came out and you 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 mentioned the building bridges thing. Literally the first line in the in the video that was dropped for Wilson. I I caught that. I just want you to know I caught that. But the the building bridges thing that that is a very good powerful line there that really helps solidify Wilson on the Republican side. 
I think Jeff Landry was smart when he launched his campaign by by saying, I'm not running for governor. We're running for governor, trying to get that early. It's a very cheesy line. It's as cheesy as building bridges. Let's. But, well, again, you, you can carry water for building bridges. I don't have to. Um, it, it's just I, on the Republican side. I mean, the, the Democrats have their path. Rebuild the John Bell Edwards playbook from 2015 and, and even 2019, although yep. both times the Republicans didn't help themselves in terms of candidate choice. On the Republican side, we're having this fight between a very heavily favored guy and four other voices that are, I think, going to bring something interesting to the table. But if you're on the Democratic side, you're just looking at that field and going, man, this is going to be easier than I thought. Well, I don't think any of, I mean, I certainly can see that. I mean, when it, when it comes down to where we can focus our effort and our fire, I certainly see uh, that as, you know, some, uh, someone's, uh, you know, response I have to tell you that um, I was incredibly frustrated with several on our side yesterday, uh, just because we had so many individuals on the first day of his announce uh, that were kind of, but what's his position on? I don't know what his position. Like he declared <laughs> seven minutes ago, he just found the right. You know, his. You mean you didn't have a fully fledged 164 page platform ready? Exactly. Get your head in the game, uh, Steve. Clearly, um, but it, you know we gotta give people the space. And also, too, I mean, especially when you start talking about a lot of the the things that a lot of folks are talking about right now at the dinner table, at those things, we've got to give him just a hot minute to be able to get his sea legs on what he's doing. I'm willing to give him a few minutes on that. I'm willing to help out where I can on that as well. But at the end of the day, you know, we've got to prosecute this. I would say instead of like running the JBE playbook, I would really rather say that we're refreshing it. We're okay. bringing it up to speed. We're bringing it up to this. Updating candidate. for 2023. Yeah, because I always, one of the things that would always, you know, really chat my behind uh, was hearing people say, oh, he's the next John Bell Edwards. There is no other John Bell Edwards. There is John Bell Edwards. Yeah. Just like there is no other, you know, George W. Bush. There is no other Bill Clinton. And there certainly is no other Barack Obama. Right. There's just not. They're individuals. They have their own thing. And the other part was, John Bell Edwards ran for governor uh, by literally going and shaking everybody's hand and kissing literally every baby in the state for three years. Right. Um, he had a mission uh, to get accomplished, and he did that. We've got a much shorter window here there, yeah, of being there's... able to talk about this uh, this race. And and look, I think that we can do it. I think that there's a lot of work to get into this. But man, I'm so I'm so welcoming uh, all of these great candidates on the Republican side <laughs> uh, because. The more we spread funding around to those candidates, the great news about that is they're going to have the money to spend on ads. Well, I I probably already set upset the overlords by mentioning give your money to the candidates because PACs have to pay more in ads. But uh, anyway, that's neither here yep. nor there. So we got a little bit of time before the bottom of the hour break. But so before we go to that break, the it's going to be the obvious question: How big a factor is race going to play? On Wilson's candidacy, do you think? Look, I, I think that we cannot be um, uh, ambivalent about. I, I don't think that we can just gloss over that. I certainly think that it will. Um, I certainly d- think it does a lot of good for us to be able to showcase that we're living our values. Um, I think Sean is the person to help us do that, help us realize that. Um, and I'm look, I'm I'm looking forward to having those conversations. I really am. 
All right, we're going to take this bottom of the hour news break. When we come back again, y'all can call 232-1542 if you've got questions, comments, you want to push back on anything Stephen said. I'm fine with it. He's fine with it. You can send a message to the KPL app as well. We'll be back in just a moment right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. All right, welcome back to uh, the Joe Cunningham Show. Stephen Hanwork, Democratic strategist, joining me today. Spent the first half hour talking about the governor's race. And like I said, we could probably just chew on that the entire show. But I want to move to the national stuff, too. Because, uh, again, how often do I get somebody who is sympathetic to Joe Biden and the Democrats to join me on the air uh, to push back against all of what I'm assuming they think is the nonsense I'm spewing? Um, I've gotten some of the messages uh, saying that and more vulgar. But anyway, there is a very interesting turn of events right now. You, so back in 2020, Joe Biden was the only guy in the Democratic Party who could pull the progressive and moderate wings of the party together. And he did so. He won the nomination, eventually won the presidency. Please don't call in about that last statement. Uh, He won the presidency. He's played, I think, a lot more to the progressives, particularly on the energy and climate issues, particularly on being very light, in my opinion, on the immigration issues. But now it looks like we're starting to see him pivot back to the moderates. And it it looks like it's got House Democrats pretty upset. So uh, you have the D.C. crime thing. So Joe Biden comes in. He's all in favor of D.C. home rule, statehood, all that. He's all for it. So the Republicans put forward this bill. We're going to uh, we're going to overturn this D.C. crime legislation. This this uh, I think it got rid of mandatory maximums and minimums, all, all that. Uh, it, it was very much going to be what the Republicans are saying is light on crime type stuff. The House went against it, thinking that Joe Biden was on their side. Then it goes, the, the, the Republicans, I think, in the House passed it. It goes to the Senate. Joe Manchin and a couple other Democrats join in with the Republicans, and Biden comes out and says he's not going to veto it. Based on what I'm reading in media reports, there are several behind the scenes who are talking off the record of reporters saying, this dude effed up. And now we've got the thing at the border where on the campaign trail, Biden said that the stuff that Trump was doing in, as far as trying to restrict immigration, things like that, is racist. It's it's non-American. We need to let more of these people through. Now we've got this immigration immigration crisis at the border. And now his administration is looking to going back to the family detentions at the border. That seems to be upsetting progressives as well. So you... As somebody who can see both the progressive side, but also the strategic, the political strategy side of it, what's your take on all that? Well, and as I always try and lead off with, I don't speak for President Biden. Uh, I that would be a great for paycheck for you, though. Wouldn't it, though? Um, could you imagine me at the at the lectern every day? I don't know about that. Uh, but anyhow, w- look, I think and, and you know, let, let's literally um, uh, look at this. I think what the president is doing is what presidents used to do all the time, and that's accept his political reality. Right. Okay? He realizes that he still has to govern. Mm-hmm. He still has to be the president of all of us, and he now has a completely different reality in the House. Yeah. A completely different reality. And so he's picking and choosing the things that he believes he should uh, get accomplished, what he needs to do in order to be able to do the job. And I'm not going to fault him for that. Now, I'll also say I am not the policy wonk um, of being able to know all of the ins and outs of all of these bills, right? right. And I don't know that I ever want to be, um, to be quite honest. That's, That's boring. why I've never gone to work on the Hill. Um, but 
I, I can say that as and as uh, someone who um, consumes a lot of media, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of you know, actually hearing him speak about you know, I get an alert every time he goes to a microphone. Um, you know, I'm impressed with him realizing and accepting those political realities of trying to figure out how we're going to get some work done. First of all, let me say I would prefer you to cringe Jean Pierre. I just I, I think you would do a better job. She she's kind of stumbling her way through a little bit. She's not, in my opinion, not doing a great job. So I'd love to see you up at that lecture. Well, look, I I think uh, first off, she had incredibly huge shoes to fill with Jen Psaki. Oh, yeah. Because Jen is amazing, um, and I'm glad to say that I've known both of them for quite some time. Yeah. Um, but I think Kareen's doing a pretty darn good job. Yeah, uh, that's where I we're. Do. That's one thing I we're going to disagree. I, All I, right. I think. I think there's so to me there's a lot of pass in the buck between her and between others in the administration. But that's again that's that's. But I be, think that's the hardest job in the administration. Oh, that's definitely the hardest job. That's <laughs> that's what made that's what made Jen Psaki so good at her right. job. Is I disagreed with all the stuff that she was saying. Right. But she was very good at the, the circle back Psaki right. thing. Um, being able to deflect, being able to move yeah. around, being able to dodge Ducey like she did. But in can a way you that, at least give some respect that we're actually holding? Daily That's press true. briefings. Well, so no, but actually, whether you like them or not, actually, I'm not a fan of daily press briefings. Oh my god, I'm not. I'm, I'm really not. I, I don't. I love transparency. Don't get me wrong, but there's a difference in my opinion between transparency and a spokesperson coming out and giving the talking points right. and then walking away again. That, right. That's 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 what's always bothered me. It's what's bothered me about questions every day. They do take questions, and it's more the deflection and the spinning and everything. And and I hate it when Trump when during Trump's administration, God, when they were holding the press briefings. Kaylee McEnany, uh, hey, we Sarah learned that Sanders. Clorox actually internally <laughs> solves COVID. So at least we never would have known that without that bright briefing. I mean, that, there's a lot of organisms within the body that die if you do inject yourself with with Clorox, including including you, including yeah. But anyway, so I'm I'm sorry. That's 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 going off into the weeds. I I think that the the Democrats nationally. Um. So the 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 red wave never happened. Last conversation you and I actually had on the air, you yeah. said the Democrats would take back the House. You said you weren't, you didn't see a wave. Looking back on it, with the exception of the taking back the House part, that's what happened. And in large part, it, the Republicans had bad candidates. They had bad money management issues. They had a lot of issues. And they the, had horrific the, polling. They had horrific polling. There was a lot of. There's a lot that needs the the polling industry is. It's a pendulum. It is. It is Edgar Allan Poe's pit in the pendulum right now. It's going one way or the other. But when you are a pollster, when you are actually doing that job and you're more afraid of the reaction of what your candidate is going to say than what you are to the actual fact of the matter, that is what's going to continue to happen. I think that we were truly looking at what was real, what mm -hmm. was really going on. I think that, you know, the whole Roe situation played a much outsized influence mm-hmm. than many on the right want to admit. Yeah. I think the dog finally caught the car mm-hmm. in that argument. And I think that now we're actually seeing the ramifications of that. And that's going to be an ongoing topic that, that this country is going to have to deal with. And, and here's the theory that I have right now that kind of ties into that generic Republican in the last bit of polling across all the pollsters, even the ones that were right in November Generic Republican was outperforming generic Democrat. 
but there were a lot of non-generic Republicans on the ballot in several of those swing states. Republicans did very well in several of the non-swing states. I mean, look at New York. How in the hell do the Republicans get that many Republican congressmen across the finish line in New York? But when you look at the swing states, those were not generic Republicans spouting the, the, the platform they needed to espouse. They were focused on the past. They were focused on 2020. They were focused on their ties to Donald Trump and and all of this, and I've, I've maintained this for a while, that it was the quality of the candidate and their ties to that 100%. past rather than looking at the future. Completely, 100%. It was the quality of the candidate. And when all of us, and that's part of the problem with states that have party primaries, I mm-hmm. think, you end up getting the most extreme of the extreme that ends up coming out of those races, and then you end up having to pick. Voters end up having to pick, and then we wonder why you know voter turnout is tanking, <laughs> right? So I think this time we actually saw Democrats spend a lot more time on candidate qual- candidate quality, mm-hmm. about getting our candidates trained and ready to go, giving them the tools that they needed, and we saw that the Republicans kind of fell down on that. Now, in terms of candidate quality, the big question on the Republican and the Democratic side, is the old man going to run again? Is the old oh, He's running. I mean, come on. <laughs> I think so, too. But, Look, what, but again, what would be the alternative if he didn't? God forbid something happens. What's the alternative for the Democrats right now? Well, you know what? I know that we like to say that because he's the one that boards Air Force One. Mm-hmm. I know that we'd like to say that. But you know what? I don't think that you can watch Fox News or any others without bringing up Secretary Pete, who is doing an outstanding job. I think that he is impressing a lot of folks. He's definitely one of our young guns. Who is? Do- we're going to see big things from him. I think that you also got to look at our whole cadre of individuals that we have. We have Cory Booker. We have we have our vice president, who I think oftentimes gets the short end of the stick because let's just be honest. What does the vice president do most of the time? Not, Not a the whole glitzy lot. and glamour no. things, right? No. I mean, so come on. I think that there I, I think that we have a big bench that we have been working incredibly hard on. And I am not willing to say, I mean, I'm really looking forward uh, to in four years from now, uh, <laughs> looking at what and, candidates we're going to have moving forward. Right. And and you come you say Pete Buttigieg, Kamala Harris, those are people I've been blasting for the last, you know, however many months. But you bring up, I, I know that from from that perspective, y'all have a very young bench and, and, and a, a, a very diverse bench. I look at the Republican side and I'm starting to see kind of the same. I mean, Nikki Haley, 51, but an Indian American woman, Tim Scott, young black Republican from South Carolina, the first U.S. senator from South Carolina to be black. A, a tremendous thing. We've got diversity in the Republican Party as well. My worry about the Republican Party is that they're going to ignore all that and go for the past rather than the future. And that's my big worry. And to the Democrat Party's credit, I've always looked at the few. I've always been gaming things down the line, and and, and but, the Republicans have not been able to do that very successfully. But an honest question for the Republicans right now, for all of those individuals that are out there that are good, solid team players, just like I'm a good, solid team players for the blue jersey. Mm-hmm. The real question that they have to ask themselves is, where's the diversity of thought? Mm-hmm. Where's the diversity of candidate? Where are the George W. Bushes out there, right, who actually fought the mainstream. He actually put together a coalition, okay? It was tough for him to actually put that uh, group of people together. And again, the the thing that I will always give him credit for because it won him re-election, his whole adage of, you may not always agree with me, but you'll always know where I stand. Mm-hmm. That was powerful. 
That was powerful. And I didn't think he was the sharpest tool in the shed. But at the end of the day, you know what? You got to give him credit for it. For me, the answer to your question is going to be somebody like Tim Scott. Mm-hmm. You have somebody who has worked across the aisle on key issues like criminal justice reform. You have somebody who has a great backstory, who knows the problems that have been systemic in America, who has experienced all that through his family history, but has also that Republican idea of the American dream to be able to pull yourself up and to get from where he and his family was to being a U.S. senator and possibly vying for the top spot in the country. I think that's pretty much as close as we can get right now. And there is some diversity in thought in Scott and some of these others. But there's also, I think, just fresh ideas being brought to the table by some of these newcomers, yeah. too. I mean, uh, Vivek Ramaswamy, who would have thought that this guy would have been coming out of nowhere and he's saying some kind of extreme things, abolish the FBI, abolish the Department of Education. Uh, he's the CEO of Woke Inc., as Politico said. Uh, but at the same time, the, or anti-Woke Inc., I'm sorry, but at the same time, you know, the Republican Party is getting different ideas. Now, they're not diverse in terms of across the aisle, but they are diverse in terms of perspectives. And I think that's a step in the right direction for Republicans. You know, I'm hoping to look, I, I want to get back to the day where we can actually sit down and talk with each other and find solutions. You and I right here. We, yep. we could do it. We could we could do it. We could. But they're not going to listen to us. All right. Let's take our last break and we'll come back in just a moment right here on the Joe Cunningham Show. News Talk 96.5 KPL. All right, Joe Cunningham back on the Joe Cunningham Show. Stephen Handwork joining me. We're just making plans off the air for uh, how we can continue some of these great conversations. I've, look, I, I've, you guys have heard me before. I'm a big advocate of reaching across the aisle, of having these conversations. I maintain that technology and the lack of people coming together and just breaking bread together has really hurt society a whole lot. And so we need to have more of these types of conversations. Somebody, I want to let you know, has been commenting on the app. Um, this is JD, who uh, first asked, "Where did y'all find this guy? Has he seen the stats?" And then follows that up with, "So this guy thinks they're doing great as people are suffering in America and they want to tax us more." Your Mike's yours. <laughs> it's well, and also too, I I, I would uh, beg JD um, to just diversify his um, inputs from where he's getting his information. Um, Literally, the budget that Biden is putting out tomorrow uh, is going to raise taxes on the wealthiest individuals and corporations that, quite frankly, are not paying their fair share. It is not going to raise taxes a penny for anyone making le- uh, more than uh, less than four hundred thousand dollars a year. Literally, so you can believe the sound bites, the clips, the little bumper stickers, or you can believe what's really happening. And I want to live in the world of what's really happening. All right, let us go to the phone lines because I know we've got somebody on the line as well. Hi, welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's talking? Hey, this is Steve Handler. Hey, what's uh, what you got? Okay, this is for Steve himself. Yes. Okay, the Democrats will... Okay, how can I put it? Uh, Obama won, or Biden won, and I'm predicting the Democrat going to win the governorship and the USA. Thank you. See, I am, I am the most bipartisan host on this show, I, I think. Um, 
And, you know, I apparently I have progressive callers. It's fantastic. All right. Welcome to the Joe Cunningham Show. Who's on the line? Yes, the, the stats that you're, I guess, the person who's hosting with you right now, those are true. But, you know, economics 101, what they don't realize is corporations don't pay any taxes. Well, I mean, I, they keep talking about these talking points about normal people aren't going to be paying increased taxes. Well, the corporation, all they're going to do is just raise the prices of their goods. So the minimum wage worker or just the, the regular rank and file worker, they are going to pay more. In taxes. You can call it whatever you want. Corporations do not pay taxes. What doesn't your your co-host understand about? And that's one of the problems that, look, I like to be independent. Some Democrat points are fairly, and, you know, some Republicans are fairly, you know, everybody's got their own thing. But when you say things like that, you lose everybody because everybody knows what you just said is a Democrat talking point. And it's hogwash. It means nothing. All right. Let me... Hang, hang, hang on, call, hang on, call it, because we're almost out of time. I want to let Stephen respond to that. Look, I think the average uh, person is pretty upset uh, that they pay more in taxes uh, than Jeff Bezos does. I think the average person is upset about that. Um, win, lose, or draw, um, I think that they are upset about that. And I think that we're actually trying to do something about it. All right. That is, thank you very much for calling. Thank you, y'all, for calling in. Um, Stephen, thank you very much for coming by. I love blast, having you brother. on. We need to do this more often. I want to. I want to get you on more often. Agreed. Um, there's just who has time for things I anymore? Like, you know. I mean, we we squeeze you in a day because I know you're booked for the rest of the week. Yep. And uh, who knows whenever I will be coherent enough to remember to text you again. I want to try to do so more. I promise. Good. Let's get it done. Thank y'all very much for listening to the Joe Cunningham Show. As always, find me on Twitter at Joe P Cunningham. Stephen, where can they find you on Twitter? They can find me at Stephen Handwork, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-H-A-N-D-W-E-R-K. Perfect. You yeah. can also find me on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com slash Joe Cunningham Show. Email me, Joe at RedState.com. Shannon is offside. He's live in the studio again today with Gary Cruz. You guys have a great day. Talk to you in 23 hours here on the Joe Cunningham Show News Talk 96.5 KPL.